0: Hey, welcome to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. You can hang out with us on Twitter. Nick's is N-K-O-O-P. I'm at Brian Fenley. Our show has its own Twitter handle. That is Locked On Bruins. And drop us a line via email, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And want to encourage you to subscribe and do that wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's with Google, Spotify, Apple, or more. Let's get to business now, Nick. So we have kind of an eclectic rundown. UCLA football adding an injury as of practice yesterday. Antonio Maffi has himself sort of an extreme makeover with his body. We're also going to look at the punters. Yes, there is a little bit of a competition going on and we want to break that down plus josh rosen looking good at dolphins training camp and nick and i will discuss perhaps the chances that we could see him be the starter in the regular season so so much nick to untangle in this episode
1: yeah lots of lots of good stuff i i mean we saw last year at the end of last season when it comes to punting right you know stefan flintoff did not play in that last game against stanford it, he was sorely missed, uh, you know, nothing against Andrew Strau, but he wasn't Stefan Flintoff who was able to boot the ball 45 yards on average. So the Bruins would really like to have a guy come in and produce almost the way Flintoffs could.
0: Putters, so much of the time underappreciated, undervalued, and we will make the case for why that should not be how you look at them as we talk more about the punters in an upcoming segment on this episode. But first, we begin with the injuries that are starting to pile up for UCLA's football team. It's been reported that Tyree Thompson on Monday wore that yellow non-contact jersey. Here is a guy, Nick, who had 55 tackles last year, was a presumptive starter perhaps as a linebacker, a junior college transfer and coaches were not available to comment on Thompson's status. And then there is no uh, media availability today. So we probably won't have a definitive verdict on Thompson's injury status until tomorrow.
1: And it might even be Thursday, actually, because Chip Kelly's not speaking uh, on Wednesday. So we will have to wait and see. He was seen in the weight room with Joshua Kelly, also with that yellow non-contact jersey. Uh, but yeah, this you hope this isn't too serious. Um, none of them so far have been, but Tyree Thompson really became a big part of this defense last year at inside linebacker right alongside Chris Barnes, became an immediate starter, not only had those 55 tackles you mentioned, but also six tackles for loss as well. Just a real tough guy, solid tackler, and really developed nicely over the course of last season so we could see a few different guys fill in there in the meantime the the guy to probably immediately fill that void is a pretty good guy as well Lokenny Kenny Toyoloa, he's he's really improved as well he had three sacks which for a team that only had 15 a year ago three is a pretty high number uh so as far as going from Thompson to uh Lokenie, Maybe not a huge drop off, but again, you don't want linebacker to be a depth issue like it was last year, right? Um, so, yeah, we might have to wait a couple days here.
0: So, not a drop off necessarily talent wise at the linebacker spot, but Antonio maffi has been dropping the pounds. He came in as a freshman north of four Bills around 420. He says 411. We've seen reports as high as 420 pounds. And when he spoke to reporters on Monday, he mentioned that he is down to 360, the lowest he's weighed since freshman year of high school. And that is a humongous makeover for him. And Nick, when you have a guy who is going to, provide such a force up the gut as a nose tackle then to lose some weight that allows him to do so many more things defensively I'm really curious
1: to see him in action when we get going week one because he was just by his size able to just disrupt and plug in the middle but now when talking about the difference being slimmed down he says his movement is so much better so now you add that agility, and then if he can process things and move around from A-gap, A-gap to A-gap and, and really disrupt things, that's that's going to be huge. He said he looked totally different uh, on film last year compared to how he feels now, and then watching practice film back again, he says it's it's amazing. And, and not only that, his conditioning's better too. So, you know, able to go deeper into games, you know, maybe one extra play, he can stay out there before getting that sub coming in. And then he also talked about, you know, not having quite a pass rush mindset last year. He's just trying to come in there, do his job and and help be a plug right there in the middle. And so now he's going to add sort of that pass rush gear. And that's the best. Obviously, you want those edge rushers to force the quarterback to step up. But then if you can have a guy like Antonio maffi to help push the center of the pocket back towards the quarterback, that is where you can really disrupt timing and affect things. So that I think is going to be so huge. If he can come right up the middle and affect things, uh, that is going to be massive for the Bruins and their pass rush.
0: Speaking of improved pass rush, Osa Odigizua has seen himself take on a leadership role amongst the defensive line. And he had mentioned Yesterday when talking to the media that all offseason he has been setting up optional drills and other players have talked about how easy it is to work with him. And it almost feels like for a lot of guys that Osa is a coach. He kind of has that personality where you feed off of him and the players are certainly going to feed off of him come game time. What do you like about the way Osa is doing as far as his body, as far as his skill set, and just his overall maturity for this defense?
1: Well, for one thing, he talked about you know where he's at physically right now. His weight's the same as it was last year, but he feels stronger and more athletic. So hearing that, you're like, whoa, that's awesome. Guy's at the same weight, and he is stronger, faster. Uh, so that that's great to hear. I mean, everyone's talked wonders about Uh, Frank Wintrich, the football performance coordinator, and what he's been able to do for guys. Uh, But then for the leadership aspect, it was really funny. He was asked, you know, how did it kind of come for you to get this leadership role? How did that kind of materialize during the offseason? He was like, well, he's really matter-of-fact guy. He's like, well, I kind of looked around and realized I'm the oldest one here, so (laughs) guess I better do it sort of thing. And then As spring ball uh, came and went and, you know, towards the end, the coaches sort of encouraged him to take on that role. But he just kind of looked around and was like, guess it's me. (laughs) (laughs) But he he had a really nice line, I thought. The best way to learn something is teaching it to other people. And so through that, not only are these younger guys going to improve, but he is theoretically, uh, based on that logic, going to
0: improve as well. One of the oldest As you pointed out, he's also one of the strongest, as he admitted, and, of course, a defensive lineman. When you ask him who's the strongest on the team, they are going to include themselves. But he also spoke about Antonio Jackson being one of the strongest guys on the team and also boss Tagaloa. And Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports reported a couple weeks ago that Osa squats – 717 pounds. He benches more than 420 and his vertical leap is 32 inches and never lost a match as a wrestler in high school. That's the kind of guy I want on my defensive line.
1: Yes, I, I was trying to do the math there real quick. So it, when it comes to the total weight of the Lockdown Bruins podcast, he can. Bench or he can squat more than double us and yes. he can he can bench about uh you know one and a half of us. That's uh that's pretty good. It's pretty good.
0: <laughs> Almost on Nick Cope's level. So that's <laughs> from your high school days. All right. Well coming up, Nick and I are gonna highlight a, a competition at one position with UCLA that bears mentioning and the mainstream media are not necessarily looking at. That's next on Locked On Bruins. Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. You can connect with us on Twitter for Nick, N K O O P. I'm at Brian Fenley. Our show Twitter is Locked On Bruins. And if you have access to email, which I hope you do in this generation, Be sure to drop us a note at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe. We are daily podcast with everything UCLA and whether you do it through Google, Spotify, Apple or more, we appreciate your time. All right. So from a a life perspective, we all deal with things where say something is good for you, but you hate to do it. And I look at punting as that way, as a coach. (laughs) You know that you need to do it, but as a coach and as a fan, you're like, oh, man, you know, we never cheer for the punters when they come out right onto the field. It's a thankless job, but they, as you mentioned, Nick, in the intro, these guys can win games. They sure don't get the credit, and if it was that easy, then we would have more punters, but that job is undervalued and underappreciated. And I am of the notion, and I know some football players aren't of this belief, that punters are football players. And if you have any gripe with my statement right there, just go to YouTube and type in punter kicker tackles and get back to me. But
1: I feel like the size of punters and kickers, they're getting bigger. A lot of guys can throw their body
0: around and make tackles. You know what, for... A position that relies so much on the leg. You're right, Nick. We're seeing some punters that got some humongous biceps. And I'm like, well, what do you got to use those for? And it makes so much sense. They're clotheslining the punt returner. I mean, that's (laughs) what these guys do. (laughs) So, all right. So, Nick, there are three punters on UCLA's roster. What sticks out to you when you look at what? is out there because, of course, Stefan Flintoff, who did a masterful job for many years as the specialist for UCLA, has since graduated.
1: Yeah, so we got we got three guys. I mean, the favorite has to be the grad transfer in Wade Lease. He's a Melbourne, Australian native. He spent the last three years as a starter at Maryland and did pretty well. He was on the Ray Guy Award watch list a couple times compare the numbers a little bit here with stefan flintoff last season so for for lease he was at about a 41 yard average 28 punts inside the 20 nine punts greater than 50 yards whereas flintoff a little bit better uh closer to 46 yard average he had 19 inside the 20 he did have 18 uh greater than 50 yards what i like about elise and maybe I buried the lead. He's, he's a 31 year old and, uh, he's, he just got married in July. Um, but he's, he's a lefty. So a little bit different look for return men to, to field, but I don't know if you've watched much Aussie rules football and I encourage people to check it out. Cause it is, it is crazy. Everybody kicks and you have to kick at sharp angles. You have to kick just on the fly there. You know, it's, Punting in NFL, kicking the ball, just you know, getting set and coming forward, is you know, you never get to do that in Aussie rules football. And so I think the the thing that jumped out when he's when you see the stats and you watch him, he's just so good at pinpointing the ball. And I think that's going to be huge if UCLA can move the ball a little bit and allow him to pin opposing teams back and help win the field position battle. That's where I look for him. And then I think the other name you have to keep an eye on is Colin Flintoff, Stephen Flintoff's younger brother. He's only a redshirt freshman, uh, so he might not be quite there yet. But between him and Lee, those are the two guys I'd be looking at. And, and Lee certainly seems to be the favorite. I'm sure he had kind of his pick of where he wanted to go as a grad transfer. And uh, I have to imagine he came to UCLA uh, because he would – be in line to take over for Stefan Flintoff.
0: Yeah, you're not 31 and married and going into a program expecting to sit on the bench. Again, we're not the coaches. We don't know exactly what's going on, but I have to agree with you. Lees is part of this factory of former Aussie Rules football players transitioning to American football and company it's this institution, it's called ProKick, based out of Australia. And in 2018 alone, ProKick produced 65 Division I punters from Australia. They shipped them out there. How it works is they train these guys, and you have to pay $15,000 per year as tuition. They have three days where you work on punting a week and then two days of weight training, and then you have to. Do some stuff academically, I guess. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, to fulfill college requirements. But this is turned in to really, and we've seen this, Nick. We've seen Australian athletes take over college football in punting for many years. I grew up as a San Diego Chargers fan. Of course, Darren Bennett, an Australian punter who really set the, the way for so many more to come in. And in the NFL, how much more important are punters? And don't laugh. The Niners spent a fourth-round pick on a punter recently, and the Seahawks, they traded up to get a punter. So you're trying to tell me they're not worth much or you're trying to tell me that they can't impact a game? I say Nonsense.
1: I think when, especially more so in college, when you can force other teams to have force them to take a longer field to get to the end zone, uh, you know, at, at college, you're just going to have more opportunity to mess up, you know, and, and to have a guy that can, that can pin you down. There's going to be great. I mean, there's been lots of guys Utah has kind of specialized in bringing these guys over. You had Tom Hackett, who won the Ray Guy Award in 2014 and 2015. Uh, Before him, you had Brad Wing, who punted for LSU. Um, Utah's most recent punter, Mitch Wischnowski, he is now in the NFL. He's the 49ers' fourth-round pick you you mentioned. Uh, So this has been nothing new. And then more to the point that we opened this segment talking about and how punters and kickers are bigger in tackling. When Aussie rules football, you got to be a real, real tough guy. I mean, we're talking no pads, leaping. You're getting kneed, and just it's ruthless. And so, you know, look look up Wade Lease's highlights. You'll see that he is just throwing his body around. He loves bringing punt returners down. Uh, So that's going to be a nice added bonus for the Bruins. If he is, in fact, back there, you're going to have 11 guys that can tackle that returner.
0: I want to start a a petition, Nick, on Twitter where we go hashtag punters are football players because you hit it on the head. These guys for so long get discredited even by their own teammates because they don't take part in all the same drills as maybe the defensive linemen per se. And they have their own workout with the specialists on maybe the third field on the practice fields. But. Come on now, when you get these guys in the game, they're punting, right? But once that ball is in the air, they're another football player. They've got to make a play. And how dare anyone undercut their abilities and say that they're not on the level of, you know, any other special teamer who's got to make a play and puts on a helmet and has to make a hit. So, I'm with Rich
1: Eisen has been on this train for a little while. Right. His whole uh, punters are people too. He's got (laughs) t-shirts. So yeah, it's appreciate the punter. And like I said, I remember that Stanford game where things were so close and Stefan Flintoff wasn't able to go. And you've just been able to bank on him, putting teams, you know, around their own 20 or worse. And then he wasn't there. And UCLA could, never flip the field position and kind of get a little help there. I mean, that was, I remember being up in the booth with the guys and we were talking about that during timeouts, just really wished that you were able to have him. So now having a guy like Wade Lease come in with all his experience is going to be very, very helpful.
0: With that point, if we can get Wade Lease on such a level, such as Stefan Flintoff, I want to see a punter get taken off the field by his teammates in celebratory fashion. Like we see kickers, you know, they get put on the shoulders of their teammates. If they make the game winning kick, how about we see a punter do that? I mean, come on, let's give them a little bit of love too. So the situation just gotta be right. Maybe,
1: you know, maybe it's a touchdown saving tackle you're about to lose and then comes out of nowhere or, you know, or, or, Fake punt, which Wade Leese has done this, fake punt pass. He's got some experience there as well. That There's maybe your other scenario.
0: We certainly could see that. And with many more weeks left of fall camp, so much to be discussed. And for position groups to be dwindled down to that two deep, which probably will be very exciting to see when we get closer to that first game. All right, coming up, former Bruin Josh Rosen has been impressing his Dolphin coaches. So how far away is he from landing the week one starting spot? We'll discuss next. You're listening to Locked On Bruins. Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I am Brian Fenley. You can hang out with us on Twitter, Nick's Twitter, N K O O P. I'm at Brian Fenley. The show Twitter, Locked On Bruins. And drop us a line at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. Our next segment here is going to center around Josh Rosen. He is right in the thick of things with the Miami Dolphins as he guns for that starting spot in the quarterback position. And just to kind of rehash his history in the NFL, now, his rookie season, he was with the Arizona Cardinals. And I find it disgusting that people blame or take so much of what he's capable of doing From that first season with Arizona. I mean, that team was a train wreck. They were struggling. And Josh Rosen was continuously pressured. And he had so little time to try to make a play. I mean, I think about that offensive line. And and I think from last year at Arizona. And I think they're as effective as Carl Lewis singing the national anthem. But what I can tell you is he's got new life now with Miami. And what we have seen is that things are really tightening up in that quarterback race between Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: Yeah, just to go back to Arizona for a sec. I mean, man, what quarterback would have succeeded with such a patchwork offensive line? They had so many injuries, different guys in, and they basically were, threw the rookie in there to the Wolves and said, "All right, let's see what you got." And then, and they get the number one pick, Cl- Cliff Kingsbury come in. It's like. All right. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for your help. And uh, we'll see you later. So I think in the end, it's. You know, it's to Rosen's benefit. Uh, I had one stat, though, from last year. I just want to throw out to you a credit, yeah. Ben Fennel on Twitter. Josh Rosen was sacked 17 times in under two and a half seconds. That's the most in the NFL. So you're talking about a guy, he can't even finish his five-step drop, and he's already being hit. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. So it's nice that he's now getting a fresh start in Miami. You know, I, I appreciate and love the whole – Fitzmagic thing as much as everybody else. I mean, when he started the year red hot for Tampa Bay last year, it was a lot of fun. And then he came back down to earth. He became Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's a known commodity. You know, he'll be able to help you win some games, but he'll also just make some crummy throws. And so I think Rosen, it's a really tough spot. Obviously as UCLA fans, we, you want him to start but I'd also be just a little bit cautious about, you know, just how tough things were for him last year. If the Dolphins see him as the future, you want to make sure you do right by him and that he's adequately prepared. Look, I we know how good he is. We saw it. He's got all the tools. It's just putting everything together, working for an organization that is supporting him and putting him in a position to succeed. And. You know, Miami's desperate for that after trying to make Ryan and Tannehill work for so long. uh, I think they will do right by Josh Rosen.
0: Yeah. Miami has epitomized mediocrity, if I can even speak. You know what I meant there. But (laughs) so they haven't been really a playoff contender, more or less, for many, many years. And what we have seen is. Head coach Brian Flores, just last week, he said when asked about the quarterback battle between Fitzpatrick and Rosen, he said, quote, it's pretty clear to me that Ryan Fitzpatrick is leading the way. And he's done a lot of things from a leadership perspective and production on the field and in the meeting rooms and in the walkthroughs. As soon as that quote got out. Something clicked with Josh Rosen because he turned it on in a spring or excuse me, in a scrimmage last weekend where he completely wowed. He has put together some very nice fall camp practices. And so after Flores said, Ryan Fitzpatrick seems to be leading the way. He then backed off of that a bit a couple days later and, said Rosen has made some serious improvement and that he's been impressed with him all across the board and pointed out to his mechanics in the pocket, decision-making and footwork. But then Flores, who seems to speak a lot and maybe should back (laughs) off a bit before making all of these assumptions and all of these projections, then said yesterday that Rosen is, quote, one of the many he still has a long way to go and by no means are we anointing him or crowning him the starter but he has strung a couple of good days together so Brian Flores is basically indecisive here I also think he's playing the political game a little bit but I think as a coach Nick and and maybe I want to hear your thoughts on this too When I, if I was in his position, I wouldn't even like if somebody asked me about the quarterback competition, I wouldn't give any hints. Like, what is the benefit of doing that? Because you are going to set up for that coming back on your players, and that may be causing a little extra drama. I say, just keep it simple, just say, you know. You know, I'm like the Mike Leach where I don't give away anything, right? And you just have to say it in a way with full of coach speak where you just don't say much. And then you kind of just let things play out. But but what do I know? I'm not a football coach.
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, Flores is, is a defensive guy. He was a Patriots linebackers coach, right? So perhaps at the beginning of training camp, you know, he's thinking, all right, I got this veteran guy here and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Of course he's gonna be my guy to start the year, and then starts to realize all right, maybe there is something here with Rosen, but also, you know, maybe I should just take take the take the middle here, take the middle road the put you know, and not really make a decision. When why should you? you? haven't even played a preseason game yet. Um so it makes Exactly all, all that say <laughs> But uh Chad O'Shea is the offensive coordinator there who is the wide receivers coach for the Patriots since 2009. Uh, So you obviously like to see that I could totally see Rosen playing very well in sort of a quick strike type offense that we're used to the Patriots seeing.
0: Yeah, we're going to see him play regardless. And I just hope that he earns that starting job because once he does, he is going to flourish given the fact that, He's given some time, and Nick, you pointed out some of the stats that were pretty mind-numbing as far Mm. as Arizona and their offensive line and how little they gave him time.
1: Yeah, so we got their first preseason game coming up on Thursday night. They're hosting the Falcons. Uh, I I have a feeling we will see Fitzpatrick get those first-team reps But then Josh Rosen will have the opportunity to play a lot of that game, I would bet.
0: Can't wait to see it, Nick. Thank you so much. We are going to put a bow on this episode. He is Nick Cope. Catch him on Twitter at NKOOP. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. Add us from any social media platform. Locked on Bruins is our Twitter handle. Locked on Bruins at gmail.com. Subscribe. Get educated and we will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of Bruin athletics.